Grace and peace to you from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. We're going to listen now to the account of Jesus at his friend's house, Jesus with Mary and Martha, from Luke chapter 10. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is the gospel of our Lord. If we had a time machine and could go back and, and pick up Martha and, and bring her back here, I think with some, some English classes and a change of clothes, she'd fit right in. Martha at least as she's depicted here, she is the typical American. Always busy, somewhere to go, something to do, never enough time in the day. We are, we are not like the French with, with their 35-hour work weeks and their five-weeks paid vacations and their four-course meals. We're Americans, and we like to be busy, and we like people to know it what time we get up in the morning, how many hours we work in a week, those are status symbols in our society. And I think, I think this is why. Because if I'm busy, that, mean I must, that means I must be important. So if, so if Martha is, is American, does that make Mary French? Industrious Mary is breaking her back to give her guests a first-class treatment. I, I picture her washing Jesus' feet and sitting him at the head of the table. Everything that she needs to give him just like the perfect dinner. She wants to do right by Jesus, except there's just one problem. Her sister isn't doing anything. I imagine that it that it just starts with a cold stare while she's chopping carrots, maybe, maybe rattling the dishes a little bit more than necessary to let everybody know that, that she's actually doing something. But then finally her anger just boils over. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself? Tell her to help me. If if you've ever had a roommate or a family or a group project at school, you've been here. There's two things that, that stand out especially. First, there's, there's, there's Martha's outbreak. Notice, she does not go up quietly to Jesus and tap him on the shoulder. Jesus, I kind of got my hands full and it's almost time for dinner. Can, can you please tell my sister to, to give me a hand? No. 
Martha's angry? At whom? She's angry at Jesus. The, the word that, that Luke uses here, it's like it, Martha is getting right in his face. Lord, don't you care? Is that the way that you talk to your dinner guest? And the, the, the second thing that, that stands out is, 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 uh, is, is Jesus' response to, to Martha. He doesn't look down at his watch and say, oh yeah, time got away from me. Um, Mary, lesson's over. Time to get up and, and help your sister. You know, do your fair share. No, Jesus is like, uh, Martha, Mary's actually doing the right thing. You could learn something from her. Uh, Martha, your, your attention is focused in, in a thousand different directions right now. Everything except on the one thing needed. Mary's got that, and I'm not going to take it away from her. The one thing needed. It's not to give yourself a break and some downtime every now and then. Most people in the history of the world have managed life without vacations. The one thing needed is Jesus. And that's, that's not to say that Martha shouldn't have invited Jesus into her home and given him the first-class treatment. Martha, was, was, she was doing something good there. Um, in fact, all those preparations that Martha was doing, that's what was affording Mary the opportunity to, to sit at Jesus' feet. So, oh, that we would have more Marthas around, people that work like Martha. People that are always looking for something to do, somewhere to go, always looking to serve other people. So if, if we could get that time machine and go back and get Martha and bring her to our churches, just imagine what those, those volunteer sign-up sheets would look like. Never an empty spot. Always Martha, 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 all the way down. A well-functioning congregation needs people who work like Martha. And, and well-functioning congregation needs, need lots of Marthas. But if, but if you have a, a Martha streak in you, you know what can happen. That you know the, the snare that lies in wait. So obvious, I, I don't even think I need to say it. I'll just give you a hint. It starts with an R. And it ends with resentment. And, and you know how it feels to be Martha when you're the only one that's, that's doing anything? You, you serve Jesus and, and you pour yourself out. You pour yourself out and it seems to you like you're one of the only ones that's pouring themselves out. And you think about those other people whose names aren't on the sign-up sheets. The reason that they're not pouring themselves out, it probably isn't because they're at home studying their Bibles. 
So here you are serving Jesus, and there they are serving themselves. And, and you might even think to yourself, like, I, I, I wish that the pastor would, would preach against those apathetic members a, a, a little bit more because that would justify the way that I, I feel and that would let them know that they're not going to get away with it with a clean conscience. Kind of like, like Martha up in Jesus' face. Lord, don't you care? And how would you feel if Jesus responded to your resentment the same way that he responded to Martha? Martha, Martha. He says it so gently, but it had to sting. Martha, Martha. You know, your, your, your sister, she's not the problem here. You know, even if, even if Mary had been out getting a pedicure, that still would not have justified Martha's resentment It doesn't say how Martha responded to Jesus. But I can imagine that maybe Martha was at least thinking something like this. What in the world? Jesus, here I am pouring myself out for you, and you're taking her side? And Luke doesn't tell us this either, but if Mary had responded that way to Jesus, I can imagine Jesus responding this way back to, back to Martha. Martha! If you really are pouring yourself out for me, then why are you so angry about having to do it? But Luke doesn't tell us how, how Martha responded. Um, and when the Bible cuts off conversations abruptly like that, it does so for a purpose. It's so that we can insert ourselves into the conversation and think about how we would have responded. When, when, I'm, when I'm thinking on the same wavelength at, as Martha, what does that tell me about my service to Jesus? Can I, can I call it a labor of love when I'm jealous of everyone else who got out of doing what I didn't want to do either, but here now I'm stuck doing it? We've talked about what Mary and Martha were doing. Let's, let's talk about what Jesus was doing. You know, Jesus didn't go over to Mary and Martha's house just for a free meal. Jesus was always serving. And if, if we just think about the events that were about to unfold over the next few months, that can give us a pretty good idea of just how Jesus was serving at that moment. Mary and Martha had a brother named Lazarus, and they didn't know this at the time. But in, in a matter of months, their brother Lazarus was going to die, and Jesus wasn't going to be there to stop it. There's something else that Mary and Martha didn't realize, most likely, at the time either. That pretty soon, Jesus was going to die. 
and there wasn't anything that they were going to be able to do to stop it. Jesus came over to their house for dinner in order to prepare them for death. For their brother's death, for Jesus' own death, death, that capricious monster who snatches people away and doesn't pay any attention to how old they are or how healthy they are or how many other people depend on them. Sometimes it comes slowly. Sometimes it comes without a moment's notice, but it's always awful. It's the wages of sin. It's coming for us all. We just don't know when. Jesus went over to dinner to prepare them for death. But Jesus doesn't prepare people for death the same way that hospice does, handing out a pamphlet that explains the process and tries to afford it some, some dignity and buy music and, and medication and massages to dull the pain. Jesus prepares people for death by telling them that he's defeated it. Something else that Luke doesn't tell us here, he doesn't tell us what Jesus was teaching to Mary, but we can imagine as, as Martha was, was in the kitchen cutting vegetables and, and, and rattling the dishes and, and Mary was Jesus, sitting at Jesus' feet, well, maybe... Maybe Jesus was teaching them the same thing that he would later say to them four days after their brother Lazarus died. Remember what he told them then? I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. Or, or maybe, maybe Jesus was, was reviewing with them the, the same thing that he had taught earlier. I am the good shepherd. I, I know my sheep. I, I lay down my life for the sheep, only to take it up again. And they may not have realized at the time what Jesus' words would do for them later on, but Jesus knew, and Jesus would not let that be taken away from them. The one thing that's needed isn't a sign-up sheet at church without any blanks or a full church council or more help in the kitchen. The one thing needed is Jesus. The whole world, think of everything in it, of everything there, one thing needed. Really? It's what Jesus says. Only one thing is needed, and it will not be taken away from her. Do you believe it? Can I give you an example? 
My wife just told me about uh, a friend of her friend uh, whose seven-year-old son was, was hit by a vehicle um, June 24th, I think. Um, the bad kind, like swelling on the brain kind. Um, and he received the best that medicine could offer for about a week. And then little seven-year-old um, died. And I think about like, all that his Christian parents gave him. The education, the discipline, all the food, the bedtime stories, all the love they poured out for him. But then in late June, it's only one thing that finally mattered. That they had given him Jesus. They baptized him. They, they taught him to sit at Jesus' feet and to, and to soak up the blessings through his word of his life and his death and his resurrection. And then I think about that, that broken family, missing one, but that one seems like everything. And they're standing at the graveside, and they think about what they needed. One thing, the same thing, and I bet it's what they heard. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. One thing, and it's, it's never just talk. A few months after dinner, Jesus came back to Mary and Martha's house when they thought that it was way too late for Jesus to do anything, and he showed them that he's the resurrection and the life when he said, Lazarus, come out, and the dead man came out. And then it wasn't too long after that that Jesus went to Jerusalem and showed them that he's the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep only to take it back up again. The wages of sin is death. Jesus didn't have any sins to die for, but Mary and, and Martha and Lazarus did, and you and, and I and that seven-year-old do. And the good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep, and he took it up again. There's so much to do. I, I imagine that, that you realize that rather acutely right now uh, without a pastor and, and so much turnover in this town and, and 100,000 people out there who need what you have, and they're not exactly lining up at the door to get it. <laughs> 
There's so much to do. So, so put down your work and listen. We, you cannot give anything that you haven't first received, can you? So sit down at Jesus' feet and soak it up. That's your food. Soak it up at church and at home and in your life groups. Drink deeply. Freely you have received, Jesus says, said to his disciples before he ever said, freely give. Soak it up what Jesus has done for you, what Jesus is still doing for you. And then, then it's time to be a Martha. Not the resentment part, but the work part. When Jesus fills your heart, do you know what he does? He overflows. Amen.